0: mm <laughs>
1: Hey, folks, this is Tom Castles from Broken Healthcare. That's the podcast that strives to examine, diagnose, and propose a treatment plan for our ailing healthcare system. Now, in this podcast, we cover just about everything that causes people pain and suffering, and we do it through these really deep character dives and immersive stories. So, when you've finished this episode of Hit Like a Girl, come check us out at Broken Healthcare.
0: Welcome to the Hit Like a Girl podcast, where with each episode, we hear from different women experts in the health IT industry. We like to hear about what
2: makes them tick, how they overcome challenges, work they're proud of, advice they would give to other women in health IT, and much more. I'm Joy Rios. And I'm Robin Roberts.
0: Today, we're talking with Dr. Betty Rabinowitz, the Chief Medical Officer of NextGen Healthcare. She has an expansive knowledge of population health and value based practice transformation. We learned a lot from her in this conversation and think you will too. So let's get started. Thank you for joining us today. We often talk about healthcare as a 1000 piece puzzle and we each have a little piece of it that we contribute. I think we've considering the COVID crisis and what's going on in the world right now, we may have upgraded that to a 4000 piece puzzle. So, if you wouldn't mind, please take a moment to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your part of healthcare and, you know, the puzzle piece that you hold. Internal medicine for 25 euros as part of the
1: University of Rochester's Center for Primary Care. The last five years at the university, I actually uh, was the medical director for the center. So at this given moment in time, my heart, my thoughts, and uh, attention is really towards my colleagues in the front lines who continue to battle this very extraordinary, very unusual uh, battle that we find ourselves in the midst of. My career took a a little bit of a a turn. In 2015, after some work I had done regarding the use of data and information technology, I left uh, practice and uh, my leadership position at the university and founded a health information technology company, small startup that was dedicated to creating a healthcare population health analytics tool that was really intended to provide practicing physicians and care teams with the kind of insights from healthcare data that would allow them both to provide improved quality of care at a, a more cost-effective, so really, truly addressing the, the question of value in, in healthcare. In 2017, our company was acquired by Next Gen Healthcare, which, as you know, is a technology and services company, serving a broad uh, swath of physicians across the country, supporting their ambulatory practices. And I have since become NextGen Healthcare's Chief Medical Officer, and I serve in this uh, role today. So, a a journey that uh, took me from uh, kind of the front lines and practice to uh, health information
2: technology, and it has been Quite a ride. You know, when I think about primary care and really the whole person and primary care's role, what you need to be able to treat the whole person, I'd imagine that just your experience in general had you driving to make the tool you were talking about. Tell us what was it that, that led you in that direction? What kind of information did you believe primary care physicians needed so that they could do a better job in delivering on? You know, the value in value-based care?
1: Uh, it's a great question. And, you know, what that is that is necessary has evolved quite significantly. When we started this work at the University of Rochester, and, and this is early days, 2010, 2011, we needed the basics. We had spent several years putting blood, sweat, and tears into implementing electronic health record. But when it came to it, there was very little... Population level insights that we were able to glean from all of that hard work of creating this rich database of of clinical uh, information. So, in the early days, it was mainly descriptive analytics. We wanted to know how many diabetics we had. We wanted to know which of those diabetics was well controlled, which of them was poorly controlled. We wanted to know how many patients above a certain age. So, truly. Our expectations were pretty humble. We, we needed descriptive analytics, which weren't even available at the population level in electronic health records. But since then, things have evolved dramatically, and we're looking at predictive analytics. So we now have at NextGen, part of NextGen Population Health Tools can provide predictions on groups of patients who are at risk, for example, in this COVID epidemic, we're just frantically working to expose risk algorithms that will allow physicians, primary care physicians, to identify patients who are at high risk of complications from COVID-19. So we have gone from descriptive analytics to predictive analytics and are working on prescriptive analytics that will use sophisticated tools to allow what-if scenarios where you can change recommendations or change actions based on, on data that you have. So, primary care has a much richer view of cohorts of patients with common denominators now with the advent of these population health tools, and no better time to think about it in, these, in this context than during a pandemic. So the ability to share information electronically, the ability to understand the characteristics of cohort of patients as they uh, share common denominators and identify outliers in those groups is crucially important to our primary care physicians. And along the same lines, even though not specifically in the analytics sphere, just think of the gift health information technology tools are able to provide physicians now with virtual visits. Had this crisis happened five years ago, we would be in so much more difficulty than we are because we have been able to implement quickly and have physicians begin using virtual tools to connect with patients for whom it's, A, critical to continue ongoing uh, medical care, and, B, even treat those patients who have mild uh, to moderate cases of COVID who can stay home Uh, not infect folks on the front line, not infect fellow patients coming into the office. So we are watching an incredible time for health information technology with the uh, abilities we have around virtual visits. And we at NextGen are working day and night basically to provide this technology to
0: groups in a fast, rapid uh, manner so that they can begin utilizing them for their work. You know, I'm sure that that was something you were, you and NextGen were already working on implementing, but due to the timing of this all, can you speak to how you guys have had to pivot or respond to the crisis and what that's meant for your you know, day-to-day operations?
1: You know, my sense is we were very well positioned with an application that integrates into our EHR, which is really important because there are standalone virtual visit tools, but it forces physicians to basically create two parallel workflows. We are fortunate to have a capability that allows uh, care teams to provide care within the context of their EHR, but launch a, a visit, identify the patient, launch a visit, see the video, create the documentation for that visit within their routine workflow, which really is important when you have to deal with volumes of uh, needs in this regard. But we have seen a huge uptick in uh, demand around these capabilities. And I can tell you that there are teams tirelessly working on supporting our clients to quickly uh, stand up this technology. And we have some incredibly grateful clients who have been able to switch a lot of their primary care operations or general clinical operations to a virtual, secure, HIPAA-qualified setting with the next-gen tools that we've been able to uh, launch for them. But a lot of hard work, people really making extraordinary efforts to make that happen.
2: Yeah, it's great, too, that you guys are able to launch that wholly integrated solution to mitigate that parallel workflow you mentioned to save time, remain efficient, not be duplicately, creating duplicate work to enter demographics even in these other things exactly. and respond, especially in light of the emergency orders, or excuse me, the emergency directive where they are paying now for their e visits via telehealth, the same as if the patient were in the office because those community physicians, especially those in rural settings that are using your tools and technology are in greater need of it than ever. ever. And it benefits the public. I couldn't agree more. Absolutely. Hey guys, sorry to interrupt, but we wanted to let you know about a way you can support Hit Like a Girl podcast directly. We've partnered with Patreon.com, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com, as a way for us to connect with our listeners and fans in a direct way And ask them to support us so we can continue creating more great content like this episode you're listening to. Patreon.com is not so much of a one time contribution, but more like a subscription to provide support to independent creators like us. Patrons who pledge even just $2 a month give us the stability we need to continue producing podcast episodes. In return for your patronage, we're offering virtual high fives, personalized thank you notes, and even shout outs on our episodes. When you become a patron of Hit Like a Girl podcast, you're supporting our channel directly. So we won't be making podcast episodes for some viral audience or for ads, we're making them for you, our listeners. This allows us to focus on topics related to women, healthcare and technology. With your support on patreon.com, we're able to spend that time having meaningful conversations and doing more great work that can positively impact the lives of other women, in healthcare and tech. So join us on patreon.com and let's make something amazing together. So Dr. Betty, let's take a step back. How did you get into medicine in the first place? Can you tell us a little more about your personal journey before doing all of this amazing work at NextGen?
1: Sure. Interestingly, always from the time I can remember myself wanted to go into medicine. I had an uncle who I adored, who was a physician. And as soon as I was old enough and was in his company, I remember accompanying him on, on house calls to I could obviously not go in to see the patients, but was fascinated by his work. And he was a remarkable family physician at a time when those were they were plentiful and around. uh, uh, Surely a a role model. And enjoyed science in high school, and eventually uh, was accepted and uh, went to medical school. And have found career in medicine to be an incredible privilege, and it has been rich varied, challenging, but incredibly gratifying. And nothing more for me, whatever achievements there have been in kind of the health information technology and being successful in founding a, a startup that was fortunate enough to survive and seeing our work on a bigger platform now as part of a large company, nothing compares with the joy of practice. And frequently people ask if I miss Seeing patients uh, now that I'm uh, doing more of an administrative role. And my answer always is I miss the clowns, but I don't miss the circus. So I miss my patients uh, a lot, but don't necessarily miss the complexity and um, uh, burden of uh, practice as it has become. Primary care at the moment is a hard place to, you know, burnout, physician burnout is real, and we are truly challenged to try and support these primary care physicians to create a more sustainable, enjoyable career path for them. Because uh, I think separate than COVID-19, which has added just uh, additional burden, but I think overall... The life of a primary
0: care physician has become very complex. Well, we can certainly agree and speak to that as well because we get to see it on the other side and knowing that the rules change on an annual basis and providers are tasked with keeping up with and changing healthcare laws and changing the way that they practice, I can only imagine that it might feel good to be able to step out of that role for the time being and still be able to contribute and be part of the larger healthcare community. Correct. You know, I feel
1: that the more physicians with focus on physician provider, this is, pertains to nurse practitioners and physician assistants as well, I say providers in the kind of broadest term, the more of us in health information technology who understand the challenges that they face, truly understand those challenges, the better off we'll be because I think the technology will be better tuned, better adapted, better, more respectful of the uh, kind of work and challenges that providers have on a daily basis,
2: care teams as a whole. Absolutely. There is uh, no doubt that that leads to the best and smartest solutions and trying to eliminate their burdens and make their lives easier. And as you know, I'm a big proponent of uh, health information technology as
1: a whole, and electronic health records, I think, have had enormously positive impacts. But we didn't all get it right to start with so we owe a great debt to providers out there to continue working on usability and interoperability and clinical focus to get our our systems improved in those regards and i'm very proud to be a, a part of the nextgen team because i think that is our our ethos i think that there's a deep concern and a deep sense that we have to get this right because we are impacting in many positive ways, but also we, there, we run the risk if we don't get it right of impacting negatively providers in many specialties, not only
0: uh, primary care. Dr. Betty, that actually leads to our next question quite beautifully considering how complicated and the challenges that are out there for really just trying to get it right you know we all believe in interoperability we all believe in the exchange of information and making sure that patients get or and doctors get the right information for at the right time if you were able to take away all of the barriers and if money wasn't an issue and you had a magic wand and could fast forward to getting to whatever solution you know that you were dreaming what would you choose? Like, What problem would you choose to solve and why? Let's assume money was no object and data was flowing unencumbered throughout the healthcare
1: system and we had engaged patients who were able to tap into that data. We, would, we were able to communicate with them. I think if all of that was there, the one issue that I would probably attack and try and resolve is the issue of usability and a clinical focus of these applications. So we still have a gap between the way clinicians work, think, problem solve, and the way the technology supports them doing that. And whether it is in the future introducing very elegant machine learning that can predict and anticipate 80 or 70% of actions that physicians take so that some of the, the rote team tasks are alleviated, whether it's not forcing physicians to interact with information that we already know and can provide them. If we can create elegant, useful decision support tools that don't exhaust people with alerts, but allow people to be supported to make correct evidence-based decisions in the course of their uh, clinical work, to me, that would be the holy grail. And obviously, our assumption at the beginning of the conversation that data was flowing freely and that is not a, those are tall orders, but let's assume money was no object and we were able to do that. I think for me, clinical focus, usability, clinical relevance, decision support, and usability are the holy
2: grail. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, You know, as we see collaboration through the COVID crisis too, and hopeful that that will bring more of that about to help fuel that wish.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And the, the notion that we would have to be tackling this crisis without the flow of information, even though we, we were not optimized in that regard, we're so much better off than we were five or 10 years ago, that the timing in that regard, I think we, we have
2: some advantages in the way things are set up that are going to help us. I certainly hope so. You know, Dr. Betty. You know, on your side, you're keeping up with clinical requirements, you're in the EMR world, you're still very much living and breathing this exchange of information, the analytics we need to fuel better care and better outcomes and deliver on value. Tell our listeners, how do you keep up with all of this? Where do you go for information? So I have kind of two sides uh, to that. One is the clinical
1: side, and there are a couple of uh, clinical uh, journals. Uh, Annals of Internal Medicine is one of them where i keep an eye out for articles or i subscribe i review those you know sometimes there's a big stack on my desk and i don't get to all of them so on the clinical side i have my go to resources in in that uh, regard and then on the health information technology uh, side i am incredibly fortunate to work in a company where there are subject matter experts that know A lot. We share information. We share articles. We share learning in a way that has really taught me as a physician a vocabulary, a language that uh, wasn't didn't come to me unnaturally. You know what I mean? Five years ago, when I started the company, I was solely dependent for translation on the technology folks that I had partnered with, and it took a while to learn the vocabulary, to understand the concepts to a point where. I'm able to be uh, at least useful in a uh, conversation. And I also clearly think that understanding one's limits. I am a physician by training. I uh, happen to know a fair amount about uh, data and analytics because I've had a curiosity and read a lot about it and learned from the best. But at the end of the day, I'm not a um, developer. I don't know. I can't write code but I have found a, a bridge to partner very
0: effectively with people who do. That's wonderful. Now, to that end, if people wanted to implement your system, if they wanted to, you know, work with NextGen or work with you, how would they do so? Do you have socials or is there a best way to get in contact with you? I think the the easiest way to get in touch with anyone at NextGen is
1: using, using our website and folks can contact us uh, through our uh, nextgen.com website. There's links and contact information
2: there. Well, Dr. Betty, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today. My pleasure. Thanks. And thank you for listening to the Hit Like a Girl podcast. If you want to know more about us or this guest, check out our
0: website at hitlikeagirlpod.com. While you're at it, if you found value in this episode, we'd appreciate a ratings on iTunes or simply tell a friend. You can also connect with us on Twitter or Instagram at the handle Hit Like A Girl Pod. Thanks again. See you soon.